Welcome to Two Vets Chewing the Fat. Two Vets acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that this podcast is recorded on. Animal health has become overcomplicated. We want to help you navigate through the reams of misinformation and empower you to take charge of your animal's health to live happier, healthier and longer lives. Join Dr Ash and Dr Sina getting together and sharing decades of experience as veterinarians, answering your questions, debunking myths and unveiling the secret world of vet. All the while having a laugh, chewing the fat. And don't forget to always seek the advice of your pet's veterinarian as advice given here is of a general nature and does not replace a physical examination. Hello and welcome to podcast number six. Is it six, Ash? They're counting up, but I think it is. Excellent. So today uh, what we wanted to talk about was our typical day. So what happens when we go to work and what to expect? And for lots of people that are unsure what happens when their pet comes to a vet clinic, what is going on behind the scenes and in that dreaded or unknown area known as the treatment room or sometimes referred to as out the back? Mm, Certainly a water cooler discussion at many a barbecue as to what actually happens. So here we are to enlighten you. Absolutely. So to start with, I just wanted to say that there are lots of different kind of vets. And for me personally, from my friends and the year that I graduated, there are most of my vets have actually moved into a lot of different industry areas or non-for-profits or different areas. But we have typically small animal vets. That would be the most common. Then we've got your locum vets that um, consider that like a fill-in, a casual um, that helps around filling in annual leave and there's a wide variety of those. Absolutely, annual leave and also sick leave oh. too, yeah. Yeah, if you're lucky enough to get one. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. short notice but. It's definitely been tough the last couple of years. Mm. Um, and then emergency vets, so those that work in 24-hour clinics that specifically work on emergency and stabilising sick pets to get them back to their GP vets? Mixed practice. Mm -hmm. Personally, one of my most admired uh, veterinary groups, just the challenges that they deal with day in, day out, logistics, um, size of the animals. It's remarkable what they do every day and often with very little support. Exactly. So mixed animal, mixed practice generally means that you're dealing with uh, a much wider range of species. So these guys might be working with horses. They might be doing either beef cattle or dairy cattle work. They may be doing herd health mm. in sheep, goats, alpacas, yeah. however that yeah. looks. Um, and then also coming back and doing the small animal work. So they're more rural r veterinarians. Yes. And probably more of the typical, um, I guess, the James Herriot type of vet that you may sort of think back to historically. Yes. And that's something that, although that is what a lot of people picture, in a lot of ways it is a dying art form, unfortunately. It's getting harder and harder to get um, people back to the country and even harder to keep them there. Even as a country girl, you know, with the 
lack of support, it was difficult um, and turned out impossible to get me back there. Um, so I really take my hat off for them. Yeah, and both of us have been in mixed practice uh, in the past and while I think it is an incredible area to be in for learning and skills accumulation and massive personal growth, mm. it is hard once you start to develop or have a family mm. because there's often a lot of after hours you're often involved in the community and the mm. people around you and that can be there's a lot of emotion that are involved in that but also a lot of pride uh, and a lot of um, guilt sometimes mm. or if you want to start a family yep as well so um that was more my situation and I just thought the numbers were stacked against me so really um those guys need a big hands-off in difficult situations yeah they do they do a great job and um, and a lot of, you know, with a lot of friends in mixed practice mm. uh, and a lot of colleagues in mixed practice, and I think they do a fantastic job um, and certainly probably one of the harder areas to, to work in, particularly if you're running your own business. Yep, their resilience is just through the roof. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The other areas that we can look at are there's so there's equine vets, so they're, they're horse vets, so those that might do some track work or specifically work with um with just horses so mm. you know they might be pony club horses or they might be race horses so that's, mm. a, that's a huge big range uh and then you're exotic yes vets. a shout out to our dear dr sasha who loves our exotics and is a great source of information for us and it's very intriguing isn't it yeah yeah exactly when you go from dealing with a you know a carnivorous animal like a dog or a cat to then either working with a rabbit that's a herbivore or a snake or you know reptiles and the way their metabolism is so different that it like it's you're completely relearning um a whole different animal so you're moving right away from that mammalian area uh and that's a a, again a a different area that takes a lot of learning and a lot of additional knowledge to get into beyond Mm. your initial university studies it sure does and dr sasha who helps us a lot she does our um online consulting as well at the former vet hospital um and she often yeah gives us a lot of help and just the differences of the species but as veterinarians, we don't like to say, no, we can't help you. So this is why we reach out to our colleagues um, with superior knowledge. And if we can't help you, then we direct you to someone who can, but we don't just turn you down. Exactly. I think that's one of the things that we said early on, Ash, when we opened our business is we're not going to turn anyone away. And if we can't help, that's okay, but we will find you someone that can, or we will get the right people to help us help you. Yes, nothing worse than calling up and saying, no, we don't see rabbits. No, we don't see chickens. You know, well, who's going to help these people? Exactly, Mm. exactly. Um, The other area, so now, and this has been probably particularly since I graduated, specialists have really evolved a lot. Mm. I think 30 years ago when I graduated from university, there weren't a lot of specialists. Uh, you just did what needed to be done. Mm. Um, and the the specialists now, we have specialists almost for everything. We do. Apparently. It's um, 
it's really tracking the way of human medicine, very um, narrow in their fields, which I have mixed feelings about personally. I don't mind specialists in generalised surgery, but when it's starting to to get down to specific body systems and things like that, then, I mean, I know that they are the best, but it makes it harder and harder to, you know, get help and these people are always busy and we see that in our general human services. So I hope we don't go that way. I'm 10 years behind Cena, as a lot of you may know, and we had a few specialist centres, but I was on the brink of that, um, I guess you'd say almost like a kapow, burst, or a burst yeah, of yeah. all of them, and they're everywhere now, pretty much yeah. every suburb. Yeah, absolutely. I think what's important to know is that your GP vet is actually able to do a lot of stuff because they have a huge range of knowledge mm. and to understand when a specialist is need mm. needed and what your GP like. I have people that come in and they want their dog desexed by a specialist because it's a specialist surgeon. The fact is, specialist surgeons don't do desexing, mm. and they so, don't. Need to. Number one, if they if you ask them to do it, they're probably going to charge you three times as much. And number two is they may not have done one for three years, mm. where a GP surgeon does day five in day week, out, five or six mm. a week. So it's it's being able to have a good and honest conversation with your GP vet and to say, and, or if things aren't going the way that they are, like sometimes things aren't normal and sometimes things are abnormal and sometimes things fall out of the realm of where the textbooks things says they should go or where our algorithms say they should go. And that's when we turn around and say, Hey, we think you need to see a specialist now. And I think we've learned over our, journey scenes of being a vet for almost two decades for me three decades for you is that it is reaching out to your colleagues developing those relationships so that you can pick up the phone and speak to the specialist or speak to the exotic specialist or speak to the eye specialist and you know have a collegial approach to getting the best outcomes for these pets absolutely because you're going to get the best outcomes for the pets you're going to get a more economic outcome for the owner Mm. and you may learn something along the way. Definitely. And the pet is going to be better off rather than being traits backwards and forwards to mm. numerous different places. Mm. What are they saying? It takes a village. It does take a village. Uh, one of the other areas that we do have is certainly there are academic vets and there are vets within industry as well. So within pharmaceutical companies, within pet food companies mm. uh, and working in different areas too. Well, I certainly actually looked into that quite heavily, which, as you know, seems partway through my career, you know, I just was re-imagining what that might look like, wasn't exactly happy with where it was, and um, thankfully I discounted it, but there's an absolute need for it. As it turned out, not for me, but I've got uh, many a friend that has a fabulous um job and vocation in in particular pharmaceutical and helping us out on a day-to-day basis with that absolutely mm. absolutely so for today's podcast we're going to focus on what we do and our speciality and that is small animal gp practice it's what we know and love exactly so that's what we're going to talk about so first of all 
we're going to talk about how our day is supposed to look. <laughs> I love that we've just added the supposed to look like. We all start with a plan as to whether or not it ends with that plan is anyone's guess, but a good vet rolls with the blows and goes with it. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Um, so most clinics, I think, you know, for me, I've worked in quite a few clinics over the last, you know, so many years that most of them run pretty similarly. Similar, oh, same, same, but different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's always a bit of variation. So I think the first thing is that there's a bit of a team effort. Yes, it absolutely is a team effort. Yeah, so there's a balance of helping people, helping pets without trying to overload the team. It inevitably happens on some days, but it has to balance out on others. Absolutely, without because you don't want everyone to feel overwhelmed. There's a day schedule that comes through and we try and follow that as, as close as possible. There will be consultations, there will be surgery, and there will be generally a vet that's doing consultations, a vet that's doing surgery, uh, other procedures that might be diagnostic procedures and so forth. Like ultrasounds, x-rays, um, neurological examinations, things that might take a little bit more time than can be given their true due diligence in a consultation period that might need admitting. Um, yep. hmm. And then you need to contact the owners of those pets, have the discussions of your findings, mm. uh, then a physical discharge and a handover, and consults tend to run throughout the whole day. Mm. And, you know, it's the liaising with the team that often is what's make or break from your front of house, which is your reception staff, um, who are in some clinics, they're reception people that don't have any veterinary um, qualifications and then in other clinics they're veterinary nurses that do have their qualifications and that front of house then transfers the pets either in a consultation or a surgical appointment and the animal either leaves from the consultation or they're admitted into the hospital for um, a day procedure. Most clinics, most GP clinics run as, as day procedures and then we also have the most important part is rounds or what we call rounds, but it's um, where you have 15 to 30 minutes of talking about all your cases that are in the hospital so the whole team's on board with what the plan is mm -hmm. and what their health conditions are, what you're trying to achieve for the day and so on. That's right, yeah. So we have morning rounds and afternoon rounds. Mm -hmm. uh, morning rounds is setting the plan for the day. Almost like what's that uh, health show that with um, Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> the vet version of that. The veterinary version of that. So rounds tell you, okay, what's the plan for the to, to today in the morning? So that's generally ten a.m. And then for us at at two p.m. it's the eve the afternoon rounds, which is handover. Saying, okay, so what's actually gone on? Mm. What do we still need to do um, in the next few hours of the day? And who is actually responsible for doing that and, and how that communication needs to move forwards. A lot of balls in the air, seems. There are a lot of different balls in the air, but, you know, the great thing is having a fabulous team behind mm. you that can manage all those balls. Yes, and we're not talking testicles, people. We're not talking testicles, but although sometimes <laughs> we are. <laughs> sometimes then, so we've also have 
what we call our follow-up and um and our pathology lists too so very important yeah we have a lot of chronically ill patients or patients with chronic conditions that need medications filled Mm. so that is not simply just writing a script and checking that off sometimes there's going through previous histories going through previous medical records going through previous clinics histories and i would say as an owner of two geriatrics an old moggy um meow who's 19 and an old whippy ava who's 12 that the chronic patients require a lot of insight and care and check in with the owners to make sure that the medications are still relevant. Are they still working? Are they necessary? Are there any side effects? How can we be doing it better? So as Sina said, it's not just filling a script. Well, I can't say for other clinics, but for us certainly. And I would say the vast majority. Our industry is based on empathy and wanting to do the right thing for the pet 100 i think because our pets age unfortunately a lot more in 12 months than Mm -hmm. we do Mm -hmm. so for our pets so as an average i guess you know i'm not saying it for every pet so one year equates to roughly around seven years there's Mm -hmm. going to be differences between Mm -hmm. sizes and breeds and so forth but so our requirement is to see that pet every six months, which generally equates to a human being seen every three and a half years to get their prescription. Mm. So while that may seem excessive to some people, a lot of changes can happen in that time. Mm. And we want to make sure that we are still heading on the right path for that pet. Mm. And the only way that we can do that sometimes is by taking blood tests, urine tests, Mm. by doing a physical examination to make sure our body condition, the muscle condition Mm. and everything else is still happy and well. Because there's a lot of things that we don't always pick up at home. No. And even I can say from personal experience with my own animals that, you know, things crop up and until you've done some testing, you don't know. Monty was, my whipper was perfectly fine and he had a kidney the size of a football. That at age three that I had to get removed and he had a, a mucus blockage and without the ultrasound test to determine that, yep. would never have known. And acting, I just acting. felt a slight little swelling on his side, acting completely normal. Yes, I still remember the day, Ash, that you came and said to me, he's acting all normal, Monty seems fine, but what do you think of this? <laughs> and I've gone... Hmm. Mm. that doesn't look right ash Mm. and you also have a very good gut feeling Mm. when it comes to the health of pets so i think that needs to be further you know looked into further why is it that vets pets are always the weirdest just (laughs) you know it's like yours are mine are (laughs) definitely most of them are anyways exactly (laughs) um so yeah so along with surgical dental procedures what would you say our most common procedures is well we do a fair bit of imaging Mm. we do i guess ultrasounds um x-rays yeah and i think we do a lot of dental work because Mm. of course you know we do know that 
dental care is important and poor dental health reflects on the rest of the health of the pet as mm-hmm. well. And, and chronic pain. Absolutely. Mm. You know, poor, terrible dental disease is painful uh, and it's certainly something that we pay attention to because it's important in the ongoing health and care of your pets. Yeah. And I mean, just like an 80-year-old human being's not going to get through their life without needing their teeth checked and cleaned and and possibly a filling or, or well, definitely a, yeah. a filling and a replacement, neither are our pets. Exactly. And for the most part, there's no one brushing their teeth every day. No. But apart from the most dedicated pet owner. Yeah, and which, I, it's not Kudos me. to them. Uh, well, obviously I'm dedicated, but finger brushing is a yeah. hard ask. Another one of the things that we do is when we take blood tests or we've taken pathology samples, uh, they need reviewing. So a lot of that pathology sample test comes back to reviewing where those results come in. Some are simple, some are majoring, but some aren't so simple. So often what we will find that that pathology test comes in from the lab. And I do apologise about the puppies playing in the background. (laughs) <laughs> that often or occasionally we'll need to say, seek a second opinion. That might be a discussion with a specialist. It might be a discussion with a colleague. It might chewing be... Chewing the fat. Chewing the fat. Just like our podcast, <laughs> chewing the fat. We might be reviewing the current or the most recent literature on, on whatever disease process we think is going on or, or we can ascertain from those blood results. And then forming a plan contacting the owner, discussing it, sometimes playing phone tag. And often people have no idea this is actually what's taking place. And, and you know, there are costs involved with blood tests, but they don't have a true understanding of how much effort and time. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes in really complex cases, it could be an hour of reviewing literature, calling specialists, speaking to colleagues and and then contacting the owner and having in-depth, difficult, heart-wrenching conversations and often at our own, our own cost because we want to make sure that it's the best for the pet. Yeah, I guess it's it's the time that's associated with that when you aren't expecting that time to be taken up in those discussions Mm. if you if you've got so much time to call all your owners back with your pathology results in one discussion or one workup then takes Mm. an hour that then means that there are three four or five Mm. that might not be as critical that have to wait till the next day or or a couple of days down the track and and that's as I think it's hard to know, but it's hard for us. It, it is hard. And there wouldn't be a single day that goes by that we're not doing overtime for those conversations. So as Sina said, even though that might be the next day or two days or three days or four days, it is rare that it is within our working hours. We are all staying back to make sure that those calls happen. Absolutely. Because we love what we do. We do love what we do, don't we? And we all want the best outcomes for the pets that we see. Mm -hmm. So that gives us a bit of an idea on how the day should look (laughs) and, and the things that we do during the day. So, Ash, what actually happens? 
well, your guess is as good as mine. See, <laughs> some days it all goes smoothly and other days it's like you've, you know, walked past a black cat or, you know, whatever, under, a ladder, under or... a ladder or whatever those wives' tales are and you're thinking what is in the air today to make all of the universe just conspire against me? And you've just got to go with it and let it roll off your back and just get on with it. And it, it could be anything. It could be a dog that's eaten grapes, which are toxic, that needs to be puked up within, you know, ASAP, within 30 minutes. It could be that they've eaten something that they're not allowed to, like condoms, tampons, you name it. We've seen it all. We have seen it all. Hey, excuse us. <laughs> yes, so dogs do get into toilet and bathroom bins. Dogs do eat underpants. Dogs do find condoms because they're chewy and delicious and they swallow them. So these things happen regularly, probably on a daily basis. A couple of the other things that have happened probably within the last couple of months that have really thrown things out and, and just to throw things a bit differently is I was working one day and I wasn't actually working within the clinic. I was I was doing some other stuff in the office and our locum had headed home earlier than expected. All of a sudden, a couple of emergencies turned up, um, which had to be attended to then and there. They weren't ones that we could we could pass on. Uh, there was a gastrointestinal foreign body and then a dog that had ingested a toxin. And at that stage, I'm like, well, my daughter's at school 45 minutes away and I'm meant to be picking her up in an, in an hour. Public transport's not great where she goes to school. But the first thing I do is, well, I've got to look after the pets. Mm -hmm. And I am a bit distracted, as I think naturally anyone would be. I'm trying to work out how do I sort out where I go with my kids? Mm. And and so you, you've got this confliction between working out what you need with your family and then doing the right thing by the pets. And hopefully everyone works out okay. I and especially as a carer, Sina, which you are, as in obviously you want to help animals and people, that's what we're in the industry for, but obviously you've got a deep love of your daughters and you want to help them as well. And so the confliction is real and our industry is now approximately 80% female-based, yep. which makes it even harder. And as we all know, ladies, um, our working ladies are, are still doing a lot of the um, household responsibilities yep. as well, as well as working full-time, whether you're a veterinarian or you work at a university or, you know, I'm sure this is nothing new for you girls to hear as well. And, yeah, it's tough. I, I guess the thing is it's just not the kind of job that you can turn around at 5 o'clock and say, okay, my day's done, I'm no. going to walk out the door. No, I'll catch up with this later. It, it just can't. It can't. doesn't happen. Uh, another... I guess another example of something that happened was we had a little kitty that came in not so long ago who had swallowed a bee, wasp? Well, were they weren't quite we're sure. Not they? sure. It was an insect of some description, mm. uh, whether that was a wasp or a bee, but by far the worst reaction I've ever seen in my career. I don't know about you. Yeah, saying, I, I think terrible. so. It was a horrible anaphylactic type reaction. All hands on deck. And exactly, the, the clinic 
literally stopped mm. to try and save this cat. Unfortunately, that didn't happen for that kitty because things were so severe. Mm. But when you have a clinic that's running and all the consults stop, all the nursing work stops mm. to get on board to say that, that um, you know, six, tough. seven hands on deck, yep. all doing different roles and, and then that inevitably leads us to running behind and no one sees that. But what you can know unassuredly is that if you were in that position, you would also get the same level of urgency. We're not going to leave you in the lurch for a less urgent um, consultation like lameness. And so or while it may be inconvenience, rest assured that it is across the board. Yep, absolutely. And I guess at the end of the day and towards the end of this podcast, probably the main thing that what we want to get out there is that we, when we go home, we don't want to try and take those sad emotions home with us. They are there sometimes, but we really, really try and focus. And the thing that really gives us joy is to be knowing that we've been able to save patients improve their quality of life, minimise their pain mm. and getting them home to enjoy the quality of life of their families. And just seeing that smile on the their human's face is just divine. It's hard to explain, isn't it, Sam? It that, is hard That joy, like you just feel so chuffed. You're like, I've really made a difference today. And sometimes you push it up a hill and you may not have made a difference and that's where time experience and working on yourself and your mental health over decades to deal with that. I mean, this doesn't just happen, like all of us going through difficult circumstances. You need to find a way to cope with your job, whatever it is. So, But we just focus on the joy. We do. We do. We definitely try to. Mm. Um, So I hope that has given everyone a really good insight into what our days generally look like. And I thank you so much for listening to us. I know it's, I know we like to explain to people what goes on. It's often an area that people want to come and see what goes on. We have a lot of people that say, I'd love to see what goes on. Mm. Oh, is this what goes on in the back Mm. of a vet clinic? Is this what happens? Can I come and do work experience Mm. with you? Can I do this? Can I come and see what happens? So we just thought it'd be a really nice opportunity to try and give as much enlightenment, honest and enlightenment, absolutely, to all our listeners as mm. to what we do and how the days work. Because there's no secrets and we want to see the pets improve just as much as you do. So on that note, we will see you later and you'll hear from us soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to get to know us more, have any feedback, questions or any topics you'd like us to shoot the shit on, drop us a line. And if you've enjoyed listening, we'd appreciate you leave us a five-star review. Check out our socials and websites, drashlong.com.au and drcenacap.com.au. The website for Two Vets is coming soon, so keep an eye out. For all our Melbourneites, we'd love to see you at the Thornbury Veterinary Hospital and the Happy Dog Hub for all your veterinary grooming and wellness needs. See you later. Ciao.